Hey guys, happy Thursday. So I am back from my baby moon, but I'm still recording this last week for you guys. It's really hard for me to speak in time terms when I'm in a different place. Anyway, that's why we haven't talked about anything timely this week. I didn't want to talk about politics. Like there's so much that we could have talked about on Tuesday with uh, the, the bill, the spending bill and the wall and Ilhan Omar and all the stuff that's going on. But I didn't want to say something that was true on Thursday that wouldn't have been true on Tuesday because news travels and changes really fast. We are in like a 24 minute news cycle. And so didn't want to do that. So that's why both of these episodes have been kind of evergreen today. I'm going to talk about a YouTube channel that you guys have mentioned, but I'm only going to talk about it for a little bit because there's really only so much for me to say. Most of you guys are already going to accept my premise that this YouTube channel, which is called God is Gray, I really don't want to give this YouTube channel like any any credit or not credit, any advertising whatsoever. But I feel like it is important to talk about, especially since so many of you have been asking me to say something about it. But there's, o- there's only so much to say. There's only so much to say, and you guys are already going to agree with me on that. And then I'm going to answer a lot of the questions that you guys sent me from last week, and that'll be it for our show. But I think even if you didn't send me a question, you're going to learn, hopefully, a lot from this podcast because I've got some good questions in here. Anyway, let's talk about God is Gray. So God is Gray is a girl on YouTube. I think she's fairly new. I think she has 38 videos where she is liberal theologically. There's really no other way to say that. Now, she I don't know if she would necessarily describe herself as that. I haven't watched every single one of her videos. I know about her. I've read about her. I've watched some of her stuff, but I don't know everything about her. I haven't watched every single video. So I don't want to speak inaccurately. I'm only going to speak basically what I know. So she is affirming basically of every culturally relevant thing. She is anti what she calls purity culture, anti, anti-LGBTQ, She feels like it seems that she has had this like great awakening. She is ushering in this new, awesome Christianity. And what I just want to say is, girl, no, no. Like the what you believe is actually old news and what people have been trying to do for as long as the gospel has been around. They've tried to distort the gospel and apply Christianity uh, to what is culturally relevant. I mean, just read any of the epistles you can see that that's a a lot of what the churches were trying to do. They misunderstood the gospel and they tried to apply the gospel in the wrong way. They kept on sinning because they didn't really understand parts of the gospel. This has been going on for centuries. So for us to say, oh, we've discovered something new about God or new about the Bible that isn't actually in God's word. And we're going to start this YouTube channel about it. It's not edgy. It's not rebellious. It's not cool. It's just blasphemy. That's all. That's all it is. Her videos, at least the ones that I've seen, are just blasphemy. Now, she says, because my first contention when I heard about this YouTube channel was, God is not gray, you are confused, okay? God is not gray, you are confused. If we think God is gray, it is because we are confused, not because he is confusing, if that makes sense. I mean, he is infinite, he is perfect, he is clear in in all that he does. We are just finite, but he is infinite. And so there are gonna be things about him that we just don't get. And we might even have the temptation and the feeling to try to mold him into what we want or mold God's word into what we want because we are finite, limited, small, emotional, sinful human beings, but he is not that. So that was my first thing that, okay, God is not gray. If we think God is gray, we are just confused about that. We shouldn't project our theological confusion 
onto God or our finiteness onto God, making him out to be this thing that's moldable. If you think that God is moldable, then he's not a God that is worth worshiping, okay? But she says in one of her videos, oh, you know, people are always telling me God is not gray. I know God is not gray. She says, God is unchanging. You know, God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. But she says, but, but she said, people are always changing. And so we need to move forward, I guess her argument is. I'm really confused. She doesn't really like logically connect how she could say God does not change, but people need to change. So she uses the example of um, slavery, how slavery was fine in the Bible. God wasn't necessarily okay with it, but people have changed from that, even though God has never been okay with it. And so we need to do, we need to do the same thing. Now, I'm not sure how she applies that to sexuality and homosexuality because it's not the same thing as slavery. And it's God himself that actually calls it a sin. It's not just this thing that was happening and it just goes unmentioned. Uh, He actually calls it a sin himself and furthermore defines marriage between a man and a woman just as Christ uh, loves the church. It is a reflection of the gospel. There is spiritual significance to it as we've talked many times, not just a physical significance. And yet, She says we're supposed to kind of move past that stuff and move forward. But if you believe that uh, the Bible is God's inspired word and that God doesn't change, then why would it be that we need to move past the principles that the Bible has set for us? The problem is, the breakdown is, she does not believe that the Bible is God's inspired word. She believes that it's probably just a compilation of, of men and that it is fallible. But if you believe that the Bible is fallible, the only thing that you have left is your feelings. And so you are then dictating who you think God is and what he would like and what he would want. And the problem with that is that is actually making yourself your own God, not making God your God. If you, if God is just a figment of your own feelings-driven imagination, if he is just this wizard that you have created in your mind that acquiesces to culture because you want to acquiesce to culture, that is not God. That's not the God of the Bible. Uh, That is not the God that we have seen throughout history. That's not who God says that he is. He says, I am that I am. She's right to say that God doesn't change. So what he called a sin, then he calls a sin now, no matter what it is. The same thing with women leading in the church. We see from the Bible in second Timothy uh, that women are not supposed to exercise authority over men in the context of the church. They can have other other authority uh, besides uh, exercising authority over men, but they're they're not able to do that. That doesn't change just because culture has changed. There are a lot of things that culture has changed and that we know for a fact that God doesn't approve of. Uh, but she kind of uses cultural culture changing as almost she wouldn't say that God changes with culture. She would say that the that some cultural changes or are a better revelation of who God actually is and has always been. And that's just not true because again, the only indication, all all we know about who God is, is what he reveals in his word, what we see through Jesus, which is in his word and what the Holy Spirit gives us, which is always going to be in congruence with his word. If you do not rest your knowledge of God and who God is on his word, you have nothing but your feelings, which is exactly why if you watch any of her videos, she says, this is just really offensive. And this is just how I feel. And I feel like, and when I discovered, I mean, she just believes in the God of self and she has placed, she has placed 
the name of God on the God of self to make herself feel like she is being obedient to something that's higher than her. And the reality is she hasn't. Now, I hope that she will come to repentance. I don't hate this person. I think she, her ideology is extremely dangerous, but I, don't, I certainly don't hate her. And um, I don't wish her harm. And I don't think that people should go troll her and tell her how awful of a person she is. Our prayer for her is that she would come to repentance and know the richness and the, the fullness of the gospel that is found in God's word and to realize that just because culture changes doesn't mean that God's opinions do. And he makes his opinions pretty darn clear in the Bible. So th that's really, those are really my only thoughts about it. Like it's blasphemy. It's sacrilegious. It is not the gospel and it's not going to save you and it's not going to sanctify you. The only thing that you will get out of that is getting more in touch with your feelings and satisfying, satisfying any fear that you have of being culturally inconvenient or culturally rebellious. You will feel very comfortable as a sinner at the God is Gray YouTube channel. You will feel extremely comfortable in your sin and you will feel extremely comfortable staying exactly as you are and kind of letting go of any thoughts you have of obedience or submission to Christ. You will say, great, I can be exactly how I am, give into the feelings that I want to give into, and I can still feel righteous like a Christian. God doesn't call us to that. That's not Christianity. And if someone told me that about my YouTube channel, that someone would feel comfortable in sin because of the things that I'm saying, I would feel like a total failure and I would repent. So that's what we should, that's what we should want for God is gray. I hope that answers you guys' questions. Uh, so I want to, uh, questions on that. I want to move on to other questions that you guys had. One message that I got that I just loved. Someone told me that they love that my podcasts are coming out early and that you can listen to my podcast on the way to work and then listen to a cynical podcast on the way home from work. But you feel like my podcast gives you something positive to think about throughout the day. And then you listen to something that makes you angry on the way home. Um, I, I'm down with that. I'm down with that. If you start your day with me and you feel like it's on a positive note and then you can listen to the news of the day afterwards and get all worked up, I'm okay with that. So thank you for that note. I have been trying to get my podcast out earlier for you guys so that you can listen to them on the way to work. I still think most of you listen to them in the afternoon when I look at the statistics, but I am very glad that some of you can listen to it in the morning on your commute or at the gym if you do that kind of thing. Um, okay. Someone asked me, how do you use social media to speak out on politics and issues uh, from a Christian and conservative viewpoint, how to respond in love and biblically when people push back? So in general, I don't think that it is a great idea to get into a ton of arguments on the internet and on Facebook simply because I just haven't seen in my lifetime someone's mind change from arguments. Now, I've also gotten into arguments, especially with trolls uh, on social media. And I wish I had spent less time doing that because it's totally fruitless. It's totally fruitless. Uh, it is a really big temptation to be like, oh my gosh, that person is just so wrong. And I don't think it's always wrong to reply to someone. Uh, just remember, this is this is what I try to remember is that if your goal is to win someone over, name calling, degrading them, patronizing them, which again, I have been patronizing sometimes when it comes to trolls and talking down to them, I totally have. And that's not good of me. I'm not, I'm not recommending that. But in order to win people over or just to make a good impression of them on them, whether or not they think about it right then, um, it's good to avoid all kind of 
ad hominem attacks. I think you state your position once and you say clearly, here's here's what I believe, here's what I say. And they might come back to you viciously. They might ask a bunch of questions. They might say all of these fraudulent points and create all of these straw men. They probably will. Um, but that's okay. Like you don't have to respond. You don't have a responsibility to respond. You need to free yourself of the oppression that is internet, internet, uh, arguments. Now I have seen a lot of people who don't typically speak out about politics, talk about the abortion laws recently, the abortion laws in New York and Virginia, or at least the bill in Virginia. Um, and they've been more outspoken about that. I think that's great. I do think it's important for Christians to have a voice, but just know you're going to get pushback. You're going to get criticism. You're going to have people unfriend you. And if you're ready for that, then you can post the truth. Now, post the truth in love. Again, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't probably go out there and say everyone who believes in abortion, you're just a bunch of sickos. Probably not the best way to do it. You can still speak the truth extremely concisely, extremely clearly. Um in a way that doesn't attack other people. You don't have to compromise on the truth in order to be loving. I think a lot of people think that speaking the truth in love means that you don't say the whole truth. That's not true. Speaking the truth is loving. It just means don't demean the person and don't offend the person on purpose or launch ad hominem attacks while you are doing that. Um, So I think it's important for us to speak up on social media if you can. But again, you do not have to go to every single argument that you are asked to go to. Do not waste your time on that. Say your piece, say what's true, and then move on. Um, oh, yeah, I did want to talk about this. So maybe I'll play a clip. So someone said, or is it a clip or was it just in the news? Like, did I just read about it? I'm not sure. But y'all have been asking me about this. So Tom Brady and Giselle, who I talked about last week or a couple weeks ago on my podcast, The Demonization of Excellence, how I like Tom Brady in some ways about how he and Giselle, how Giselle talked about like crystals and being superstitious and being a good witch, I think she called herself, and all of these rituals and and things that she does to help him win. And apparently it works. Uh, Obviously, that's satanic. It just is. It's satanic. Now, I'm not saying that she is, uh, she knows that she's like some Satan worshiper, but we all know that everyone's not a Christian is under the influence of Satan. You're under the dominion of Satan. You are under, as Ephesians 2 says, the prince of the power of the air. There's not like, okay, some people are under God who are Christians. Some people are just in this neutral in between. And some people, the really bad people are enemies of God. The really bad people are under the influence of Satan. No, if you are not a friend of God through Christ, you are an enemy of God. You are under the influence of Satan. So sometimes that looks like this new age crap, this these crystal things. Uh, but what we can glean from that is that people are looking for a higher power than themselves. And even someone as powerful and as successful as Tom Brady and as beautiful and as seemingly perfect as Giselle realizes their own limited capabilities to control things that are uncontrollable and they look to something that they can't see and that uh, they can't really know in order to fix their problems or to help them. It's very interesting how humans just have that natural drive. Now, the only one that can help is the only real God, who is the God of Israel, the God of the Bible, and thankfully through Christ, also the God of saved Gentiles. Um, We can say, I recommend that you read Joshua and Judges and just how it's just a beautiful reminder of how powerful God is and how he is the only one that can fight battles. And without him, we really can't fight battles. And I think it's interesting to see an athlete like Tom Brady and a celebrity like Giselle 
admitting just how limited they are and how weak they are and how they do need something else. Now, they're freaking using rocks. So ain't that smart. Ain't that smart. But there is this natural this natural inclination in them, just like there is in all humans to reach for something that we can't see or that we don't really know. And like, even though you can see the rocks, they feel like there's this unseen power inside of them. I'm like, you guys think that we're crazy? We're crazy for believing that there is a higher power who creatively uh, created the universe. You think that we're crazy because of that, but you guys are rubbing rocks on your forehead? Okay, spare me. Um, someone says, I am curious what you think about why the left is so pro-abortion. I get why they're for leftist causes like immigration, taxing, et cetera. Really? Sometimes I don't. Um, so, or is it really about the women's choice or is there something deeper? So I think for some ignorant people, it is about a woman's choice or they've convinced themselves that it's about a woman's choice. Now we already know all of the straw men associated with that. We already know how stupid that argument is because your choices end where another person's rights begin. And so I can choose to like, I can choose to what paint the outside of my house, or I can choose to like throw rocks at the outside of my house. But if I throw rocks at another person's house, well, then I'm hurting their property like that. And they have a right to their property. I have a right to my property. They have a right to theirs. And so even though it's my choice to do whatever I want to, to my property, it's not my choice to do whatever I want to, to theirs. So my choice ends where someone else's rights begin. And because a child has separate DNA at conception, there's just no logical, philosophical, scientific reason why they shouldn't have the same rights that we do simply because they're in an earlier stage of development. That doesn't make any sense. So anyway, it it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But some of them have convinced themselves that it's not really a human inside the womb, that it's just a clump of cells, that it doesn't really feel pain all of these unscientific claims. It takes a lot of mental gymnastics in order to tell yourself that abortion isn't atrocious. So in in that way, in that deliberate ignorance, which deliberate ignorance, by the way, is evil, but in that deliberate ignorance, they convince themselves that it's not that big of a deal and it is about a woman's choice. They've just believed the indoctrination from Planned Parenthood and these feminists. But the people who are actually more in the know, who really know and who even probably acknowledge in private, yeah, this kid feels pain. This is a human being. Like this is this is pretty crazy that we're doing this, but you know, this is what we have to do to keep Planned Parenthood alive. So part of it is because Planned Parenthood uh, funds a large portion or a good portion of the Democratic Party. They really need each other. And so Democrats have to be for abortion because they get funding from Planned Parenthood. And so they just, you know, they mooch off of each other. They help each other out. And abortion pays a lot of Planned Parenthood's bills, even though they say it's only 3% of what they do. It's where they make a whole lot of their money. They uh, did m- through like almost, I think, 400,000, somewhere in 300,000 range abortions last year. And they make a lot of money for abortions. That's exactly why they only did 2,000 adoption referrals last year. People don't really go to Planned Parenthood uh, when they want to keep their baby. It's really just an abortion mill. And so part of it, of course, is the money. But underneath that, even why is someone like Planned Parenthood? Why are they so pro-abortion? Well, a lot of it has to do with equality and what they think equality is. I've said equality through homogeny is the leftist mantra. It's the idea that in order for men and women to be equal, they have to be exactly the same. So the logic goes, if a man can physically walk away from from an abortion, from a pregnancy at any time, a woman should be able to, too. 
if the man has the ability to just leave his up and leave his family while a woman is pregnant, a woman should be able to do the same thing. And they think that that is going to make men and women more equal. It's not. It's not because women are always going to be. I don't care how many genders you falsely believe there are. Women are always only biologically going to be able to have a child. And so abortion is always going to uniquely affect them. Does it only affect women, but it uniquely affects women. So this equality that they think that they're getting through homogeny isn't going to work. It's just going to hurt children and hurt women and hurt families. But they think they think this is about equality. Um, and it's sad. We won't ever be equal through homogeny. We just won't. A man is never going to carry a child. He's never going to feel the same uh, nurturing feelings that women do for children, that mothers do for children. It's never going to be the same. We're not going to get equality through that way. Nothing is going to make us the same. It's just not. I don't care how much you construct the culture, construct society. It's just not. If you look at the Nordic countries, which have made every big government effort out there to make it seem that men and women are not inherently different have failed. The children coming out of gender neutral preschools still have a propensity towards traditional femininity and traditional masculinity. Universal paid family leave, which is equal between men and women, still shows that women take far more leave than men do. Why? Because they're the caretakers typically. It just ran into my microphone. They're the caretakers typically um, because they care more about staying home with their kids. I even think about, for example, like last year I traveled. I don't know how many places I spoke, maybe 20 places, maybe maybe less, maybe more. I, I might've been less than that. I don't remember. 15, whatever. I traveled a lot, especially in the fall. I think the bulk of my speaking was in the fall. And looking forward to, I'm already getting requests for this fall after my baby is born. And I just, it used to be just, I wouldn't even think about it. It's like, look at the money. Okay, great. There's no question. I'm getting, I'm getting paid for that. Of course I'm going to do it. Now I'm like, I don't want to leave my baby. (laughs) I don't want to leave her. I don't, I don't care how much money it is. It's sometimes it's a good amount of money. I mean, it's always a good amount of money, but sometimes it's a really good amount of money. And I'm like, is it really worth that amount of money to leave my baby? I don't want to leave her. It's just crazy how quickly your priorities change, especially from a woman's perspective. That's not true of a man. A man, all of the sudden, in general, in general, gets this feeling of like, oh, I got to busy myself. Like my husband has been on overtime more than he's ever been. And I'm like, can you please like, I just want to hang out with you. And thankfully he has. But he's like, oh my gosh, I got to make more money. I got to do, I got to do more stuff. I got to make sure that we're going to be okay. Oh my gosh, we're having a child. It becomes like men feel like, oh, I got to get even busier um, than I was before. And women are like, oh, I just really feel like I kind of need to slow down and do everything I can for this. It's just crazy. That's how God created us. So abortion to them is about equality through homogeny. Sorry, ain't going to happen. All you're doing is destroying lives and destroying families. Um, oh, dang it. I took a screenshot of this question and, oh, wait, yes, I did get the question. Um, so someone asked me, is it sinful? Is it sinful to not have kids as a Christian? So this is a very complicated, or it can seem like a complicated question. I've actually talked about this before. If you go back and listen to a very important episode where I announced my pregnancy and talked about the nuances of pregnancy within Christianity and having kids and all of that. And the, the biblical truth behind that, um, you can get this question answered a little more fully. One, I will say being married or having kids is not going to fully satisfy you. And that's not the only purpose that you have in life. 
Paul says it is better to be single than to marry because you can fully dedicate yourself to Christ. And so the best answer that I've heard is actually from John Piper, whose theology I very much trust. But um, he made a point to say that if you are not having kids for a period of time when you are married for the work of ministry, because you are pouring yourself out for ministry, then yes, that is a legitimate reason. Going back to that particular passage in which Paul says it's better to be single than to be married so you can pour yourself into Christ. And it's kind of making a little bit of a deductive, a logically deductive step there and saying, okay, well, if it's better to be single than to be married, to dedicate yourself to Christ, it's probably, it might be better to be married and not have kids to dedicate yourself to Christ for the specific purpose of ministry. But to, in order, not having kids in order, simply in order that you can do whatever you want to do. And because you think it's going to be too hard and because you're quote, not a kid person, according to the Bible, yes, that is a wrong way to look at kids. In no way do we see in the Bible that kids are an inconvenience, um, that kids are this burden that you need to put off indefinitely. Uh, Now, it doesn't say that you have to have a million kids, but it does say to be fruitful and multiply and that children are a blessing. So it's more about your perspective and your heart in the first place to do what the Bible says is true and to believe what the Bible says is true. And I've made the mistake of this. I have certainly thought in the past that kids are this big inconvenient burden that I'm just going to wait to do until I check off all these boxes on my career and my travel list and my life. And I just don't think that's true. Now we did exercise discretion in that we were moving a bunch of different places. We were not in a fight. What I felt like was, uh, or what we felt like was a financial place in order to have kids. Um, but there does come a time. I do think you exercise wisdom in all of that. Of course, if you're both in school and you're living in your parents' basement, not that God can't take care of you and that you won't be totally fine, that you shouldn't trust God. But I do think this is one of those areas where you do kind of have to use discernment and when to have kids. But there does come a point to where you are putting off kids simply because you don't feel like it. And because you are just serving yourself and you don't want to inconvenience your life. Yes, I think that's wrong. Yes, I do. Um, when you met your husband at the gym, did you probably did not know right away that he was a believer? Uh, that said, would you, would you say it's wise to be going on dates with people that you don't know what their faith walk is? Yes. I think that dating can be a time that you figure that out. Now you can figure that out quickly. You can figure out on the first date whether or not that person is a Christian, you might not know the full depth of their faith. Now, I did know that my husband was a Christian before we started going on dates because we talked in the parking lot for a really long time. And so I found out that he was a Christian really quickly after we started talking. And I knew that by the time we went on a first date and by the time we were on a first date, I did know like his entire testimony. So that's not everyone though. I do think that you need to find out really quickly where he stands with God and if he is a Christian. And then as you go on dates, you figure out just how real that relationship is. And as soon as you figure out that he's either not a Christian or that he's not, he doesn't really have a relationship with God. Yeah. You need to get out because there's no point there. There's, there's no point in dedicating. If you were a Christian anyway, and dedicating any more time to someone who can't lead you because he's not being led by Christ. Um, I would like to know what Democrats traditionally believe. No emotion or identity politics, but what their beliefs are founded on. So basically, Democrats believe that the government has a bigger responsibility to take care of people than um, 
than Republicans believe. So Republicans traditionally believe, supposed to believe anyway, that individuals do a better job and should be doing the job of taking care of their communities and taking care of the people around them. Democrats believe that that is the government's job. That it's the government's job to provide health care. It's the government's, well, that's the new thing. The government's job to, to provide housing, the government's job to take care of people. And the idea of individual liberty really kind of flies in the face of that. So they believe essentially more government, fewer problems. We believe more government, greater number of problems, which history proves us right. Okay, I have one more question and then we will wrap up. A best advice for a married couple who are also pregnant with their first child. How has your relationship changed? And have you put each other first in new ways after getting pregnant? Also, housework, who does that? And how do you get the husband to take out the trash without asking, LOL? A lot of good questions. So um, advice, I don't know if I'm in a position to give advice for a married couple who's pregnant with their first child because we are too. We have gotten a lot more serious about being disciplined in our finances um, because you just have to, you have to think like children are so expensive. And so he, my husband has done a really good job of leading us in that because I just like to not think about money and pretend like it's not a thing. Like I'm not a spender. I just don't like to think about it. I don't want to think about it and I don't want to think about it. And so he helps me though. We've been listening to Dave Ramsey and he has been really more and he has helped me. And so I am trying to grow because it really is an area of just immaturity. That's just what it is. It's an area of immaturity for me that I don't want to talk about money. And he helps me with that. Now, I'm very thankful that he is the one in general that is control in control of that and handles it and that he's good at it. I don't like it, but I'm trying to get better and mature in that way and have conversations about it. So that's one way that it's changed. And I would recommend that. I guess I would give that advice from someone who's trying to learn that myself. Um, I, yeah, I'd probably give advice to, to do the same thing and just get organized. I really want my house to be like organized and done before she comes. It stresses me out that we have three animals running around, but there's nothing I can do about them. They're just going to have some, just going to have to be annoying. How has our relationship changed? Um, well, he's always treated me like a princess, but it's even like a little bit more. It's kind of great. You can use your pregnancy as an excuse for a lot of things. I'm not really sure if that's necessarily good advice that I should give you, but it's just kind of the case. And it's just been fun to see him really excited about, especially like when we found out it was a girl and just how excited we are to have a girl. I thought it was a boy. I think we both kind of thought it was a boy, even though he said he thought it was a girl. Um, and just getting excited about that and realizing like, oh my gosh, we're going to have like a human being that we're taking care of just going through that together. I just enjoy talking to him and spending time with him so much. And so that's just been fun. Also housework, who does, who does what? Oh, that's what she said. Uh, so I do back of the house in general. He does front of the house. We've always said that that's not really like true about the setup of our house, but it was when we lived in our little tiny apartment that we used to live in. And so I do like bedroom and laundry and all that stuff. And I tend to be the one who vacuums. I'm looking at my carpet right now and it really needs to be vacuumed. I do that kind of stuff. He does the dishes. I never do the dishes ever. Mark my words. It disgusts me. I never do the dishes. He does the dishes. He takes out the trash, the recycling. He cleans the litter box. He does the gross stuff. He does the gross stuff. I do the big stuff. Now, 
Who was messier, me or him? You didn't ask this question. I'm just thinking. Oh, I probably him. He leaves trash around. Like things that just don't make sense. Like, why would you leave this water bottle right next to the trash can? It's empty. I will leave like clothes on the floor. I'm I'm messy in that way. He's just like, I don't know. Sometimes he's just like a college boy. But when he does, when he does do the housework that we have decided that each other does, uh, he does a good job. How do you get the husbands to take out the trash without asking? Haven't figured that out. Have not figured that out. I just ask. And we have both decided because both of us do this. We are not allowed to say that the other one is nagging if they are reminding the other one to do something that they said that they were going to do. We have both decided that because we used to both say, stop nagging me. But then we realized that we were both being hypocritical because we were both telling each other that. And so I will just say, hey, will you take the trash out when you get the chance? And instead of, instead of, babe, the trash is full. I don't like that. That's passive aggressive. Just ask me what you want to ask me. Now, I'm not perfect at that actually at all, but I try to just be like straightforward and I want him to be straightforward too. Like I don't, if he tells me, if he just says, um, I'm out of underwear. Okay. That makes me mad. Okay. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? I would rather him just say, Hey, will you do some laundry today? Sure, babe. I would love to. So that's how we've worked that out. And we are still working that out. The, it's a, there's a fine line between reminding what needs to be done and nagging. And we are both learning to walk it. So I hope that that helps. Uh, okay, that's it for today. Hope you guys have an awesome rest of your week. And I will see you here on Tuesday with a special announcement. Okay, bye.